Would everyone say, uh, I love the Lord? Somebody tell somebody else, how about you? How about you? I love the Lord. And I want to encourage you to love your church family uh, and love those who need the love of God in their life uh, and, and be here uh, this Sunday. You can begin bringing friends and family this next Sunday. Amen. Are you in Matthew 28? If you're in Matthew 28, say, I'm there, Pastor. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. May it bring forth much fruit in our life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. We continue with our series and our emphasis really to show and tell. And Romans 1.16 has been our keynote verse that I encourage you to memorize. <clears throat> it's kind of long, but let's read it together. Romans 1.16, what did Paul say? He said, "For everyone out loud, here we go. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God for the Jew, for, oh, for everyone who believes. Let's start over. I messed you up. Here we go. For I am not a, of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. One more time. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And so Paul the Apostle was telling the Roman church, listen, we can't be ashamed of this gospel. And what is the gospel? The gospel, well, it means the what? The good news. Everybody say good news. And so, and if you want to take note and write down 1 Corinthians 15, the first three or four verses, Paul tells us about the gospel and basically said it's this, that Jesus came and died for our sins, rose again the third day so we could have a new life. I love Rice Brooks. He wrote God's Not Dead. I love his uh, uh, definition. It says the gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life that we should have lived and died the death we should have died in our place. So tell somebody he took our place on the cross. He really did. He died in your behalf. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he was the Son of God, and he still is, of course, the Son of God, and offering the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins for all who repent and believe. That's the gospel. And I want to tell you today, we need to know the gospel. We can't just, uh, you know, accept the gospel. We've got to know the gospel, and we've got to then share the gospel. That's where we get show and tell, and our kind of kind of twofold purpose for these last few weeks are basically this. We're to show the world Jesus Christ by how we live our life, by the way of the life we live. How many of you know we have the responsibility to model uh, our Christian life and people to see Jesus in us. When they look at us, they think something's different. And so God's looking for people who can model it. And they look and they say, something's different about old Robert there. Something's different about Ian. Something's different about Brent and Jonathan and others. Uh, they see Jesus in us. How many of you know the Bible says we're the light of the world? And so the Bible says that, in fact, in Matthew 5, that they will see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. But that's just part of the equation. We're to show the world Jesus by the, way of, by the way of life we live. But number two, equally and even more important is, well, they're both equally important. Uh, we need to tell the world about Jesus by way of the words we say. You see, Romans chapter 10 says this. How are they going to hear? How are they going to believe on him in whom they've not heard? And how are they going to hear without a preacher? 
He says the need is that we need to proclaim the gospel, that good news that Jesus Christ lived and died for our sins and rose again the third day so we could have a new life. That's our responsibility. Everyone say we need to show and tell. So we need to show and we need to tell. The sad statistic that I've been sharing with you, and it really is sad, thus the smiley face. And I, believe, and I know it grieves God, is that between 90 and 95% of all believers have never led one person to Christ. 90 to 95% of all believers have never led one person to Christ. And so we, we over the, what we've been endeavoring to do really, uh, gosh, all our life long is turn that around. We need to turn that around here at Church on the Rock North. There are people in your life that God wants to use you to lead to Jesus Christ. And so uh, I encourage you to kind of catch that understanding. Let me share something quickly with you that I got from Rice Brooks uh, and some of his material. Just kind of a quick, it's the salt method. Everyone say salt. S-A-L-T, you know, we're the salt of the earth. And this is just a good thing. And when I get all this up here, I want you to, if you want, take a picture of it, write it down. Here's a simple way to get into somebody's boat with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, some people are kind of abrupt, you know, uh, with their, this is a simple, it's the salt method. Number one, the letter S, start a conversation. Everyone say that, start a conversation. Number two, the letter A, uh, it's uh, ask a few questions. When you're talking to people, start a conversation, ask a few questions. The letter L, listen to them. Get to listen and understand who they are and what's going on in their world. And then the letter T, tell them the story. Tell them your story. Tell them the gospel story. Uh, everyone say salt. Start a conversation, say it. Ask a few questions. Listen. And then tell the story. I'm telling you, that's a pretty natural way. And let me throw one, and, and as you tell the story, and, and the Holy Spirit comes upon the gospel that you share with them, uh, let me just say, and then you might ask them this question, is there any reason today why you wouldn't want to uh, become a Christian and ask Christ to come into your life? Question mark. You'd be surprised how many people say, man, I'd love to know Jesus. I'd love to know that I was on my way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas. Somebody say salt. You'll never forget it. Start a conversation ask a few questions, listen up, and then tell the story. Tell your story, and everyone needs to tell their, and you can do this in two or three minutes. You need to be able to tell your story about how Christ made a difference in your life in two or three minutes. Just tell your story. It's time we begin to tell our story. And so, with that, let me give you a little more info of where we were last week. Last week, we looked in 2 Timothy, and we learned some things from Paul passing the baton of leadership on to Timothy, uh, he, uh, and he was endeavoring to get him to embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and so, from 2 Timothy, we learned this, that we've been enlightened by the power of the gospel. The light of Jesus has shined in our hearts. The gospel has come and shined in our hearts, and, and the Holy Spirit spirit came and convicted us and that's what Paul was wanting Timothy to understand as he was passing the baton of leadership and the and the influence of the gospel into his life 
We also learned last week that not only have we been enlightened with the gospel, but we learned that we've been entrusted with the gospel. Have you ever entrusted someone with something important? You gave them this, I'm trusting you now. I'm trusting you to take this. I'm trusting you not forget this. And, and the Bible says, uh, Paul told Timothy and he told the Thessalonians and others that you have been, we have been entrusted with this good news, with this gospel. And number three, as we've learned a few Sundays ago and even last Sunday, we've been empowered with the gospel. The gospel's powerful. That's what Romans 1.16 says. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is what? The power of God unto salvation. You see, when you got born again, you didn't get born again because of someone's slick capacity to communicate some truth to you. You were born again because someone shared with you the gospel, which is powerful. Somebody say power. It'll change your life. And so that's where we've been. Now this morning, as you're in Matthew chapter 28, we want to talk about the, the Great Commission. How many of you know the, that when Jesus left planet earth, he gave God's people, he gave us all the commission of God uh, for the church, and not just for pastors and preachers, but for all of us, and we've termed it the Great Commission. In fact, there are three passages in the Gospels where the Great Commission is in some form or shape mentioned. I want to encourage you to read them later. Of course, Matthew 28, 9, uh, 18 through 20, and then uh, Mark 16, verse 14 through uh, 18, and then Luke chapter 24, verse 46 through 49. Those are Mark and Luke's uh, uh, kind of insight into the Great Commission. And so you could put them all together and you could build a better uh, understanding of this commission. But today, we'll just simply look at the Matthew 28 uh, 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 Great Commission, Matthew's account. And it's in Matthew 28. Uh, and let me just read it to you in verse 15 through 18. And he said to them, Go into all the world. Now, let me, I have to stop. Who's he talking to? He's talking to that church. He's the resurrected Christ. He's talking to the, those who had followed him, people who believed in him. And then the resurrected Christ, as Acts chapter 1 tells us, he spent 40 days with the church, this fledgling new beginning church that were waiting. Uh, he told them to wait for the promise of the Father. But he spent 40 days sharing with them. And as he came to the close of the 40 days, he gave them this commission. Everybody got it? Say, I got it, Pastor. And here's what he said. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe... Uh, pardon me, I'm in the, I'm in the Mark uh, version. Let me go to Matthew. I thought I was in Matthew. Here we go. I'm reading Mark. Here it is. Verse 17. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And someone say the last word. Amen. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the commission 
that God has given to us. He's telling us, he's telling the world, he's telling that first century church, you got to go and tell. You got to show and tell. You got to go and tell. It's time we tell somebody about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the Great Commission. Now, you see, let me tell you something about God and about his purpose for our life. He didn't call us to isolate ourselves. A lot of God's people are scared of the world. They think, I need to isolate myself. Ooh, the darkness. Ooh, I'm scared of the darkness. Listen, we're the light in the darkness. Are you with me? Say amen. He didn't call us to isolate ourselves. In fact, Jesus in his prayer over the church in John 17, when he's praying for us, he's praying for that first century church. He says, Lord, they're in the world, but they're not of the world. I pray even though they're in the world that they wouldn't be of the world. You see, we're in the world. We just don't have to be like the world. And we come as a a light in a dark place. We're not called to isolate ourselves from the world. We do insulate ourselves from the world. In other words, the world should not influence us, but we should be influenced influencers of the world. Are you with me? Say amen. And when you look to the Great Commission, let me just tell you some thoughts about this Great Commission. We're not called to isolate. Number one, we're called to infiltrate. God wants the church to infiltrate this world. That's what the word go is all about. Somebody say go. I love that word. It's a command form. Go. What's he saying? Get out into the world. You know, in just a few hours, I'll get on a plane and I'm going to go somewhere. But you know what? In, in my going, uh, you know what? I'll be somewhere. And so there'll be people on the plane, people in the airport, people that I'll meet, people, you know, even in places that I don't want to be in and stay in. There'll be people there who Jesus loves and he cares about. And God's looking for us wherever we are to infiltrate the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're called to include the others in our life and in our world. He said, go into all the world. Somebody say, all the world. It's a message of inclusion. And so we have the responsibility to realize that, you know, some people say, well, I'm not called to this neighborhood or that neighborhood. Listen, let me tell you where you're called to, the whole world. And wherever you go and whatever you do, you've been called to infiltrate that world and include them into your world. Go into all the world. We're called to infiltrate. We're called and commanded to include people into our life. And some people have become very exclusive. They've excluded people out of their life. And, uh, and, you know, there's a lot of uh, talk in the world today, in America today, about racism and racial differences and excluding the. Listen, let me say, I used to sing it when I was a kid. Red and yellow, black and white. They're all precious in His sight. And God's looking to us to include. Aren't you glad somebody included you? in their world we're called to not isolate but infiltrate this world and include the world into our world number three we're called to infiltrate and include and then uh, influence people he says make disciples in other words we influence people we're not here just to shine and smile but we're to make a difference in people's lives by our influence and by the power of the gospel. You see, God is looking to the church to make a difference in other people's life. And you're a part of the church. I'm a part of the church. And God wants to use you as a minister to make a difference in someone's life. And not just someone, but many people in your world. The gospel of Jesus Christ and the Great Commission, we've been called not only to infiltrate, 
and include and influence, but we've been in call. We've been called to instruct this world, to be teachers. He said, teach them, train them. Raise them up and make a difference. You parents, how many of you realize you have a responsibility to raise your children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord? Amen. I love my, my, my daughters and their son-in-laws. They're raising their kids, my grandkids, and the nurture and the admission, admonition of the Lord. They're, they're, they're growing in Christ. And in fact, this morning I'll tell a little story on Gideon. You got to love Gideon. Gideon, uh, he got up this morning, and then uh, Laura, didn't, she's missing him. She went looking for him. He's on the back porch. He had a book, and she said, "Gideon, what are you doing out here today?" He said, "I'm out here reading about. Uh, help me, pardon me. He's reading about a God story." And he said, "I'm doing my studies." He can't read, okay? But he had a book. He's reading the Bible. He's studying. He's growing in Christ. That's because my, uh, uh, not only the church, but my daughter and son-in-laws, they, they influence and they instruct. And you know what? God's called us to influence and instruct the world. There's some people that, you know what? Let me just tell you something. We are to go the way. Everyone say, go the way. We are to show the way, right? We go the way and show the way. We need to tell somebody and teach people, this is how you live your life. And see them growing in Christ. There's nothing more thrilling than to see someone growing in Christ and becoming more and like Him. So the Great Commission has called us to infiltrate the world, to include the world into our world, to inf influence them with the power of the gospel and instruct and teach them so they can grow in Christ. And here's number five. The Great Commission has called us to invest our lives. I love the promise of God. He said this, you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And then he says, and lo, I'm with you always. Somebody say always. And then he says this, even to the end of the age. Now let me read between the lines there just a little bit. Our life, the call of God on our life is to do this all our life long. This is our lifelong calling. This is who we are. We have been called by God to invest our lives into this world that so desperately needs Christ. Are you with me? Say amen. And so that's the power of the Great Commission. And that's who we are. That's what we've been called to do. We can't isolate. We merely insulate. And then we infiltrate and include and influence and instruct and invest our lives. You saw Dr. Titus uh, just a few moments ago. Uh, you would love Dr. T. I wish he was still alive. God called him home a number of years ago. He's, and in India, he was so revered, people almost would look like, because in India, you know, there's all, all kinds of gods in India. They got all kinds of little G gods. And so, so the, the culture there has a tendency to almost deify people of authority and leaders. And, and they did that with him. And so be, uh, such great respect. And so I remember one time, uh, Dr. Titus and I, years ago, we were just walking. I think we're in Branson somewhere at a conference. And he and I ended up just walking down the street together. And we're having a great time together. And I was gleaning from him and, and uh, just having a fun time. And, 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 and just his story, they were in America for years. And he was very smart. He had a, he, he's a, um, I forget, he had an education, was making back then, uh, 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 you know, gosh, many, many years ago, over 35 years ago, you know, $60,000, $70,000 a year back then. And God called him back to his 
his country of India. Uh, and so, smart man, a strong theologian, uh, and we're walking along. He said, oh, son. And I said, yes, Dr. T. He said, I love to come to America. And I said, uh, we're just glad to have you. He said, oh, I love to come to America and, and be with you, son. And I said, uh, well, I, I don't know where this was going. I, I'm, I love to, for you to come to America and be with me, too. I'm honored. He said, oh, I love to come to America and be with you, Simon. And we can just enjoy the beauty of the, the day. And then also, we can crack up together. Ha, 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 ha. And so, in India, you don't crack up together. What a great guy. You know what he did? He invested his life. And I'll never forget, uh, when he was raising money to go back to India, he needed uh, numbers of thousands of dollars, I think maybe twenty-five dollars or $30,000 to purchase this land. Uh, and I'll never forget our pastor. We were building a church. We were raising money to build a church. Uh, and we had $25,000 in our building account. And God spoke to our pastor to give it to him uh, and let him begin and the story is Dr. Titus, he began to weep, and, 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 and our pastor said, why are you crying? This is a day of celebration. He said, I'm weeping because you just gave me back to my country, and he knew his days in America where we could just crock up together was over, and what did he do? He invested his life in the people of India, and his life, and his legacy, as you heard Dr. Shibley say, his legacy lives on. But today we press on to the future. And so, uh, man, that's our life. We, we, we've, got, we've got to realize God's called us to invest our life. You see, let me just say about Ian. Ian, you're going to, to New York, but I want to tell you, it's not just about you and what, God, what you feel like you need to do. God's investing you. And God wants you to invest your life in the peoples of the world and the people you come in contact with. This is who we are. Somebody say amen. With that in mind this morning, this is where I really want to go. I just wanted to build a little understanding about the importance of the Great Commission. Then I want to expose to you what I'll call three evil enemies of our Great Commission calling. Three evil enemies of our Great Commission calling. And they, none of them are the devil. How many of you know the devil is our enemy? I said, how many of you know the devil is our enemy? But I want to tell you something. We allow things into our world so that we make his job a lot easier. So, yes, he does, is our enemy. But I want to show you th three things that we battle that I think are so important for us to get the victory over. And here they are. Number one, the first evil enemy of our Great Commission calling is, number one, insensitivity. Everyone say insensitivity. The world, our culture has become insensitive and uncaring towards the people of the world around us. The world's going to hell in a handbasket in a hurry, and God's people many times and most of the time are more concerned about me, myself, and I, and we now are battling a gospel of, of selfishness, if you will. People are preaching a gospel that says if you give your life to Christ, He's going to make your life just wonderful. He's going to give you this. He's going to give you that. And we've lost the understanding of what Jesus even came to do. The Bible says, Jesus said, I didn't come. Yeah, let me 
me, he said, let me tell you what, I, I didn't come to be served. And let me tell you, our culture and even the church, you know people come to church this way, how can you serve me? People go church shopping, and you know what they're looking for? Good service. I understand it, I get it. But Jesus is looking for people who will follow his model. And he said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and give my life. And and, and there it is. Invest my life. Give it up as a ransom for many. But the culture we live in has become unsensitive and uncaring towards those around us. In fact, insensitivity, the word of being insensitive, is feeling no concern for others. A friend of mine just had a very well-known leadership guru in his church. He had just uh, handed the baton of pastoral leadership on to his successor too. And he spent most of his days raising up leaders. And he he told uh, the leaders there, his name is Frank DiMazio. And he said this uh, to that gathering of leaders. He said, we had to to readjust the culture of our church. It was hard to do. We had to teach people to care. We had to, had to train our church by way of the activities of our day and teach them and lead them to become concerned for others. I love what Greg Laurie said, and we've been looking at Greg Laurie's influence. Uh, uh, in fact, if you go to his website, tellsomeone.harvest.org, he'll train you. I'm in the middle of it. He'll train you to, to, to be able to tell your story. But Greg Laurie in his little book, Tell Someone, said this, effective sharing starts with caring. Say that with me. Effective sharing begins with caring. But the problem is our culture, our church, our community, we no longer care about others. We think about ourselves. We think about our kids. We think about our family. And let me just tell you, God wants you to take good care of your family, and He also wants you to take care of yourself. But listen, we should not, our family should not take the place of the call of God on our life. That is to influence our world with the power of the gospel. We need to care. My prayer is today, in fact, Jesus said this. It says this about Jesus in Matthew 9, 36. It says, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with what? When's the last time you or I walked into the mall or walked wherever and into your workplace and you saw the lostness of people around you. You saw the, you know, the, the desperation of the people around you. You saw that hey, they're on their way to hell in a hurry. And you were moved with compassion. You know, we're so judgmental with lost people. Let me just tell you something. They can't help it. They're lost. We judge sinners. In fact, Jesus never judged sinners. He just died for them. And the Bible says when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Let me just ask you this. When's the last time you cared enough? When's the last time I cared enough for someone that I shared my story with them? Enemy number one is insensitivity to the lostness of the world around us. We just simply don't care. Let me ask you this question. Think about it. All right. Okay. I'm going to lighten it up here. Okay. Whew, I got you all. Whoo. All right. I, I apologize. But the reality is uh, that's the truth. Let me ask you this. Who in here can name the person that cared enough uh, about you to share the gospel with you and lead you to Jesus? How many of you have, have somebody, their name? Uh, somebody tell uh, 
Somebody tell me the name of somebody who cared enough to share it. Beverly. Don and Claude and Brother Bob. Somebody else. Tell me, tell me the name of the person who cared enough about you. Yes. Your sister Liz. Man, way to go, sis. Somebody else. Tell me the name. Yes. Betty Jacobs. Thank God for Betty Jacobs. Yes, Martin. Pastor Castillo. Where's he from? From Mexico, I had a feeling. Amen. Somebody else. Yes. Your grandma. Woo! How many of you know grandmothers are good? Somebody else. Who's the person who cared enough about you to share the message of Christ? Somebody else. Uh, anybody? Share? Yes. Liz Phillips. Somebody else. Yes. Your grandfather. Somebody else. Yes. Who? Your mother. My mother led me to Jesus. I'm telling you. She, she, she got me down and I didn't understand it all. I want to say a big thank you to myself, to, to Pastor James Shinrock, who, who one Sunday morning when I was a little boy, uh, I, my mother had prayed with me, but I was kind of un, not understanding. He, he shared the gospel and the piano player and the song director saying, uh, just as I am without one plea. And let me tell you what happened. The Holy Ghost came upon me, convicted me of my sin. And I walked the aisle and I took him by the hand and I said, I want to be born again. Somebody say amen. Brother James Shinrock. Somebody else who cared enough to tell you the story. Anybody? Yes. Our husband. Martin. Way to go, Martin. Hey, hey, give your husband a high five. Tell him thank you. There you go. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Praise you the Lord. Somebody cared enough to share the gospel with you and lead you to the place of making a commitment to Jesus Christ. I appreciate my speech teacher, Kay Farish. Even though I'd given my life to Christ, I was walking the fence. I've told you this before, but one day during the beginning of school, everybody's out in the hall. We're waiting for the last second for the bell to ring. And she said, Sam Walker. I said, yes, ma'am, real loud. And it was like E.F. Hutton. The whole, the whole hall got quiet and listened. You know, everybody's listening. She said, I'm praying about your commitment to God. God, God, God. Echo down the hall. I said, my Lord, everybody knows what she's doing for me. And then one of my uh, football uh, team members, one day in practice, right about the same time, out during water break on the 50-yard line, he just said, man, you're walking the fence. You need to get off the fence. I said, what fence are you talking about? I ain't walking no fence. People cared enough. There are people all around us. Listen. And let me just say this. There are some people who are wondering why, even though they know you go to church and, and would confess yourself as a, they're wondering why you have not told them about Jesus. I'll never forget a friend, of, a member of our church, uh, Wilford and Jean Byers. God bless their hearts. They're both in heaven today. But they had some neighbors. that They lived on the lake. And, and our neighbors, uh, they had neighbor, they, these neighbors, they knew them for a year or so. And finally one day, uh, they began to talk to them about Christ and about church. And you know what the neighbor said? We thought you were never going to ask. There are people in our life that are waiting on us to care for them. But somehow, someway, we've become so self. As one preacher friend of mine said, we've got inverted eyeballs. All we can see is us. 
It's the enemy of insensitivity. Number two, the second enemy is the enemy of insecurity. To be insecure, there's a lot of insecurity in the world, a lot of insecurity in the church for a number of reasons. Uh, Just, uh, hey, Webster says uh, insecurity is uncertainty or anxiety about oneself, a lack of self-confidence. You see, you may know people who need Christ, and you may be concerned with people who need Christ, but there's something on the inside of you that is, that is, that is uncertain about your capacity. Hey, uh, again, go, if none of this helps you, go to uh, Greg Laurie's site, uh, uh, tellsomeone.harvest.org. Take, go through his six sessions. He'll lead you. He'll help you. He'll help you have some confidence in yourself about your capacity to share the gospel. But we get fearful in our life. That's why Jesus said uh, in the Great Commission, he said, after he said, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them. Then he said this, let me just tell you, here's the final, here's the final before he ascended to the Father. He said, and and this is kind of interesting, because he's leaving, and and they knew by way of his word that though he was leaving, he was not really leaving because he was going to send the Holy Spirit. But he said, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. What was he trying to, what was he trying to squelch in their life? Any sense of insecurity because Jesus' departure. That's why he said, go, hey, that's why Jesus said, go. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. Because why? You need the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea. That's supernatural power. What's he trying to do? He's trying to get us to the place where we don't allow insecurity and fear and anxiety and a lack of confidence to come upon us. Let me tell you something. When you speak up for God, he'll speak up for you because the gospel is powerful. Somebody say amen. And it's the Holy Spirit that convicts people of sin. That's why Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. It's also why he said in John 14, when he was telling them he's about to leave, he said, hey, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house were many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. And Thomas said, how do we know where you're going? He said, hey, listen, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I want to tell you that Jesus has has provided the capacity for us not to be overwhelmed by the enemy of insensitivity or the enemy of insecurity. In fact, we need to begin to incorporate every day one of the 365 fear knots in Scripture. Get up every day and say, I'm not insecure about who I am. I'm not insecure about the power of the gospel. I know whom I, it's what Paul said, I know whom I believed in. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I have great confidence in God and I have great confidence in his gospel. Uh, and and we're, hey, let me tell you something about this insecurity. We are insecure about our own life. Listen, you don't need to be insecure about who Jesus is. Are you with me? Enemy number three. It's not only the enemy of insensitivity, insecurity, but here's one, and let me just say it. It's the enemy of insubordination. What does it mean to be insubordinate? You know, in defiance of authority, a refusal to obey orders. If you go back to the, to the 
Great Commission, he says this in the beginning. He said, all authority has been given to me. And you know what he's doing with his authority when he commissions us to go into all the world? He's, he's sharing his authority with us. And, and then he says, you tell them and teach them all the things that I have. What? Somebody say, commanded you. You see, the Great Commission is not the Great Suggestion. It's the Great Commission. It's the command of God upon our life. We need to understand something about this Great Commission. When you, it's, it's, it's the command form. Somebody say go. It's not a suggestion. It's the command of God upon our life. And if, hey, if we're not just being insecure or ins- insensitive, uh, then, then <clears throat> we're just being insubordinate. We're missing the mark. When it comes to the command of God on our life, go is a command. We're commanded to infiltrate and influence our world. Make disciples is a command. We're commanded to influence and invest our lives in other people's lives. Teach, teaching them to observe all things that He's commanded us. It's the command form. And that commission is not just for, it's for the church. Not just for the preacher. We're all the preacher. So let me ask you today. Which one of these evil enemies has a grip on your life? You say, Pastor, don't be so, how, how do you know? Listen, all, I'm, all I know is 90, 95% of people have never led one person to Christ. So we need to ask ourselves, what's got a hold of my life? To keep me. Paul told this to the Philippians. He said, for it is God that works in me. Both to will and to do. Everyone say will and to do. To will and to do. In other words, be obedient to the command of God. Uh, uh, It's God who works in us. Both to will and to do. For His good pleasure. And today, the world needs Jesus. People in your world need Jesus. And we can't let insecurity or insincerity or even insubordination keep us from sharing. Not just, not just showing, but telling and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so today all I know to do as we come to this moment of opportunity, as we come as a church family to a place of, of, of concerted, organized, corporate influence in the world, God's called us not just to show it, but to share it. So we've got to battle these enemies within. If we're just in rebellion to the command of God, Or we have an insecurity in our life because we don't understand the power of the gospel. Or if we've been so inundated with the world that we've come to a place where we just don't care. So this morning I want to encourage you to stand with me. Let's just ask God to help us begin to battle these enemies in our heart and in our life and in our church. Come to a place of repentance. All three of them require us to repent. Say, God, forgive me.
Father, today as we come to this place of applying your word in our life, Lord, we thank you for the commission of God, the great commission, the command of God to go into all the world, to infiltrate, influence, instruct, and teach, and invest our lives in people who are lost and need Jesus. We just pray today that you would break our hearts for lost people. Help us to care more about others than we care about ourselves. Could you pray that kind of prayer today in your own heart? Just say, Lord, help me to begin to care for others like you cared for me, like others cared for me. Lord, let, the compassion, let us begin to be moved with the compassion of Christ for a lost world. And Lord, if there's insecurities in our life because of a lack of knowledge or just a fear in our life, we just ask you to break that off of us right now and help us trust you in your gospel to make a difference in other people's life. And Father, we pray, Lord, if we're just disobedient, if we're insubordinate, you just forgive us for being in rebellion against the command of God on our life. Jesus, help us open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our mouths to share the power of your story and how your story made a difference in our story. Thank you, Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you've never really made a commitment to Jesus Christ, Today you can do that. You can simply believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. If that's you today, wherever you are, I'm going to pray a prayer. We're going to pray a prayer together. If you're in searching for God and you're not, you're not sure whether or not you've ever really made a commitment to Christ, you have no confidence in your eternity, let's pray this prayer prayer out loud and if that's you just pray it out loud in the sincerity of your heart let's all pray together say dear Lord Jesus thank you for dying for me on the cross for taking my place and shedding your blood to cover my sin I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to come into my heart I invite you to be the Lord and the leader of my life. Thank you for rising from the dead on the third day so I could have new life too. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. That's the power of the gospel. Amen. Let's give the word of God and Jesus a great big hand and let him know we love him. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Amen. Now, but I, know, I don't even know what time it is. I got, oh, it's 11.59. Let me give you this. This morning in prayer, this morning in prayer, the Lord spoke something to me. And this is what he said. He said, Sam, begin to pray, begin praying for your future church members. 
And then I had this thought, I remember, you know, how many of you parents, even when your kids were small, you started praying for them and for their futures and for their families, and Lord, you're praying for their spouse. Beverly would do that. Josh, I don't know, but my wife prayed for you, but when my kid, when Laura was just like five years old, she was praying for you. Same way, we prayed for our, our future son-in-laws, and, 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 uh, and we're still praying for Nathan's future bride. Lord, help us bring her. Lord, have mercy. I'm about to get into that arranged marriage scenario. And, and we prayed for them. And, and God says, start praying for your, for your future church members. Their places, they're here, they're there. So let's do that this morning. Could we begin? And I want to encourage you to do that. When you, on Sunday morning through the week, you say, God, I'm praying for our future church members. We don't know who they are. We don't know what, what their names are. We don't know what they're going through. But Lord, don't let the devil steal them from us. Lord, bring them to us and let us have more family and friends to make a bigger God difference in the world. Let's begin to pray that God would use our efforts in these next few weeks to make a huge difference in people's life. Father, today, as we close this service, we pray for our future church family. Lord, people who are searching for the will of God in their life, I pray, God, you would begin to speak to them by the power of the Holy Ghost to come from the north, south, east, and west. Lord, into the doors of this church. Lord, we are not naive enough to think that we are anywhere close to the only church in town. Lord, there are many great churches, but God, in this church, in this place, you have people who have been designed by God, called by God to come and be a part of this church family, to grow together and go together and make a difference in the world together. We pray for them and we pray you would protect them and guide them and direct them to this house. Lord, we pray you would do it this next Sunday. We pray especially on March 5th, on the first Sunday of March, you would bring them from the four corners of this community. Lord, use these signs. Lord, use these handouts. Lord, use our Facebook uh, blitz. Lord, use the, the, the little doorknob uh, hangers that we'll hand out next week. Use all these tools to draw in the people who you have called from the four corners of this community to be a part of Church on the Rock North. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you today. Now, listen, we ha- how many did we get of these? We've got 50. I need everybody. And let me just say this. Some of you only need one, but you could buy two or three. If you could do that, we'd appreciate it. You just buy them and say, uh, give, them to, uh, give them to somebody who, who doesn't have $10. Most everybody's got $10. But uh, uh, if, you, if you would like to help us do that, everybody take one of these home. Put it in your front yard. You say, well, I live in an apartment. Uh, well, I don't know how that works, uh, but you'll get the door knockers. Uh, and, and they have the little, the little metal things that go with them. You stick them in your front yard. So l- this Sunday, next Sunday, let's have every one of these 50 someplace, somewhere. And let me get you, next Sunday you're going to get the doorknob hanger. And so you get your family, you get your, Beverly and I, we've got our neighborhood. We're going to blitz our neighborhood. Uh, and uh, Josh and... Uh, Pardon me, and, and then next Sunday we're going to have some organized efforts around this church, okay, and blitz those neighborhoods around this church with, uh, and so we need your help next week to do that. So I think there's a sign-up table out there. So we're going to blitz this community, we're going to blitz Facebook, we're going to blitz the, the, the social media, and people are going to come, and people are, uh, on March 5th, I'm going to preach, you know what I'm going to preach? The gospel. That's what gets people born again. Now, are you with me? Say amen. Amen. 
So there you go. It's been a great day. God bless you. You're going to pray for me because Monday I get on an airplane and I didn't really want to, but I'm going. And I'm going to represent you. And, uh, and it's going to be a great time in India. You keep me in your prayers. God bless you. If you're a first-time guest with us, come back again. Wednesday night, 6.30 is our meal and our life groups. Uh, it's been going great. Uh, and you get to connect and grow. You get physical food and spiritual food. See you Wednesday night. Well, I won't. You will. God bless you. Have a great day. And I'll see you March 5th. Amen.